0: Welcome to This Is Life. Greetings. I hope everyone is doing well out there. I know uh, things are kind of starting to opening up, at least where I am. uh, And so, hopefully, wherever you are, you've uh, been able to kind of get out and about. Uh, I don't know if you're wearing masks or not. That seems to be the latest fashion trend. And, you know, at the very least, it keeps us safe. uh, At least safer. I don't necessarily think it keeps us, quote, safe. But it definitely, you know, anything at this point in time that we can do to help uh, keep the numbers down. And I mean, if a little bit of inconvenience will help save somebody else, then especially as Christians, uh, we ought to be completely okay with that without putting up a fight. Uh, It is not hurting us. It's not making any difference. It's just allowing us to really just be mindful and cautious and careful of other people. So I pray and hope that wherever you are and however you're doing and and now that summer is kind of here and we have begun uh, my favorite season, uh, which is a season of wonderful, beautiful evenings with the lightning bugs and... You know, and just nice, calm evenings where you can cook out with your family or you can go play catch in the yard or you can go on a boat or go fishing or just, you know, go to take a walk and, you know, go on a hike, whatever you do to kind of get out and about kind of break up the monotony of life. Um, and all the things that are going on, and you know, hopefully you're turning off the TV. I've made an effort, and a conscious effort myself, just to turn off the TV, turn off the radio. You know, I mean, I, I if I want to, if I can, I mean, I, I, if you know, if I was, you know, just let myself, I probably could just sit there and just watch the news all the time. But you know, it's it's good, I guess, in doses. You know, it's okay to be aware of what's going on in the world. It's okay to have an understanding of how you can. Uh, be mindful, but man, especially the 24-hour news cycle, uh, where it's just repeated information, and a lot of times just over, over, over dramatic, over dramatized. Sometimes you know because you have commentaries, not just news anymore. It can just get a little overwhelming, and, and and so same thing with Facebook and social media and all those other things. You know, it's just there's so many, and that's kind of what I'm talking about today, just about distractions, and and just about things that are. That that we can control our intake of, and not allowed to come and just permeate and, and 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 be um a guiding light, you know, that for us, God God forbid, we let negativity or just the um uh, the, the the hardships of life be that which we are guided from and for and to, and uh so you know. It, this yes we are going through still some crazy times you know this pandemic is not going away anytime soon and uh, unfortunately now you're kind of getting into uh the t- two different you really i mean as if our country wasn't divided enough already you pretty much are now having two uh, distinct types of people you know you have the people who are you know this is overblown open the country back up you know uh uh, you're you're a sheeple. If you wear masks, you know you're a slave. I mean, I've heard all these crazy things. I and mean, you have the other side where they're saying, you know, if you are okay with opening things up at all, you are, you know, you're 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 you're, you're you know, okay, with people dying and whatever. I mean, and either I've, both of them are completely false. You know, the truth always and is lies somewhere in the middle. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with wanting to open up uh, the country, with having people who need to make a living. You know, finding ways to do it, but obviously doing it in a way that is safe, in a way that is um, to allow for communities to be able to as, keep the numbers of infection as low as possible, and ultimately, of course, death. Uh, but at the same time, this is life, right? And, Of course, like the show, this is life, and there will always be some sort of uh, risk involved. And if we can minimize those risks when it comes to, pay, to to a pandemic, then all then then let's do it. And I think that's very very important. Uh, we still have. Um, I know I, our, my my wife's dad, we try to see him as often as we can, but yet we still keep our distance. You know, we uh, uh, would love to be able to go down there, you know, several times a week, maybe have dinner or get close and give him a hug, you know, but we try to keep our distance even now just because we care and we love him and we don't even though he's, so he's older. And, you know, not always in the best of health. And so what do we do? You know, we just make amends and we we find calculated ways to still show our love and affection and our family. Uh, But doing so and keeping his health in mind and, of course, our health as well and whomever else we're all around. I hope and pray this whole thing gets over soon. In fact, my daughter, every single night before she goes to bed, we say our prayers. And she's kind of been, you know, she's a little bit older now, so she likes to say her prayers as well, you know, not just daddy or mommy leading her. And every single night, it's got to take the coronavirus away, you know, and she knows, and she knows it's disruptive and it's not fair. I mean, she's lost her school year and her, you know, seeing her friends and, you know, not being able to go and hug her grandpa whenever she wants. And, you know, we, you know, everything's are changing. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I miss going to the movies, right? I mean, uh, every single time I drive by a movie theater, I'm sad that the parking lot is empty. You know, at one time and every other time in history, whether it be, I think I may have mentioned this before, if I didn't know well, but, uh, you know, any time other in history, whether it be in the World Wars or uh, the Great Depression or Prohibition or whatever – Uh, Movie theaters were always a way of escape. They were always booming in those times because they were a way for people to kind of just get away for a little bit. Now, of course, nowadays we have many, 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 many ways to get away. In fact, some would say probably too many. Um, But movie theaters, you know, are just not an option to us right now. Uh, You know, so things are tight changing. You know, but I think that's the whole point about all of this is that we have to learn to acclimate. Uh, To to take care of the things that we can control and the things we can't control, we adapt, and we still try to live a Christian life and still try to be, you know, charitable and kind and loving and realize that everybody is suffering in some way. Uh, I don't believe that we're all in the quote same boat. I think that we are all uh, suffering, but there's definitely different degrees of suffering. Uh, some people have are living on yachts and some people are living in a are, you know on a on a raft made out of bamboo, you know? It's like uh, we we we're all maybe on the same ocean but we're definitely in different boats. And hopefully you are listening and I'm, you know, we can just be mindful of other people during this time and, and be the, the types of Christians that we want to be. We would be the type of people who that when we see somebody in need or who is hurting in any way capacity or maybe even a little bit different that we don't see those as opportunities for us to look down our nose but we look at opportunities for those to bridge a gap and to find common ground and to find a way just to to, to let humanity win and and most of all let the love of God win and so today we'll talk about just the love of God and I want to talk about how we can use the love of God, the true love of God. I'm talking about the the agape love, the love that sends His only Son to die on the cross for us. The, the the type of love that is 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 eternal, not something that's conditional, where regardless of circumstance, regardless of 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 offense, He still loves and He still protects and He still takes care of, and He desires to the best out of the other, even though the other one doesn't deserve it. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. The type of love that we should have for our fellow man and woman. The type of love that we have been given by Jesus in our hearts because we say we're Christians. And yet, so unfortunately, a Christian sometimes can be the meanest people, which still just blows my mind. It's like we have the author, the finisher of peace, love, and kindness in our hearts, But yet when it comes to opportunity for us to use them and use those gifts that we've been given freely by God, I might add, towards other people who may be difficult to love or for whatever reason we have a prejudice for, it's all of a sudden it's like we can just turn it off like a light switch. And that's just not not, not, not the way it should be. Uh, You know, we should be more caring and more kind and more mindful of others than any other type of people on this earth. Uh, that is who Jesus was, and that's who we ought to be, and that's whom we are have been given the example to be, for for that matter. So, the love of God. So when I was younger, uh, I went to a ministry training, and it's called Master's Commission. It was it was a awesome program. Uh, it's it's not as much. Uh, as big as it is now, as it was back in the day, you know, I am a little bit older. Uh, but in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, uh, this was one of the premier ministry training for young adults to go to if they wanted to have really hands-on ministry applications and training. Um, you know, I, there was obviously the option to go to a Bible college or some sort of seminary. Um, but that just was never really for me. I was never kind of a book guy. I was always more of a hands-on guy. I was always really, you know, even as a young man, uh, love to preach, love to, you know, go out and do outreaches or, uh, just be with people and, 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 and you know, have a engagement with people and, and, and yeah, you can kind of do those in Bible college. And of course you can have roommates and friends and that kind of deal. But with master's commission, it was completely different. I mean, every single day you woke up not knowing what you were going to do and who you're going to, you know, who you're going to see, who you were going to meet, uh, where you were going to go. And it was all evangelism driven. It was all about taking care of other people without any expecting anything in return and letting Jesus do his work uh, through just by being the being Jesus to other people. You know, the, the one of the the sayings of the ministry that I still hold on to today is to love God and to to know God rather to know God and to make him known. And that was the entire purpose and reason for growing up. Well, anyway, I say all these things to say that part of the program and the, it's just a regular school year. So from August to May was to memorize scripture. And uh, you had to, I don't remember exactly. I think it was like a minimum of three to 400 scriptures, uh, which some of you, that sounds like a lot To some of you, that's nothing But for me, it was a pretty tall order um, I, I, I've never been one for, for memorization I mean, I, when I was growing up It was very important to my dad For me to kind of really get a good base On scripture and so as soon as I could read well enough, I was memorizing scriptures. And I mean, God, my dad would have me go and memorize all the Romans road, you know, all the evangelism scriptures, the Romans 10, nine and 10 and Acts two, eight and nine and Ephesians two, you know, uh, chapter three. I mean, all these different things, like as long as I had some sort of understanding and memorization, John 3:16, right. Of if, if, if someone were to say, how do you, how do you go to heaven? I would at least have a knowledge, I wouldn't have to go pull out my Bible, I could just say it from my heart. You know, the the words that they would need to hear in order to understand God's grace. And I appreciated it. I mean I still now uh see it as a foundation for my love for Scripture, my love for the truth of the Word, and, and ultimately, frankly, my love for the words and acts of Jesus. And, you know, understanding that the four Gospels were not just history books, but these are li- these are books that we, especially as Christians, but I think just mankind in general, need to look at as a base for how we should relate with one another. Jesus was the perfect example of love, and that's one thing that every single person, regardless of of color creed religion uh, with language everybody desires and needs love that's what makes us different from the from from from, from the animals right is that we have an emotional driven need to have love and to give love and to be loved and returned and especially in romantic ways especially in from a husband to a wife and a wife to a husband you know people who have a, have a desire to love one another you know, intimately and romantically. Uh, you know, if you if you are like myself and you have found somebody who loves you and as and and you love them, you're one of the lucky ones. Not everybody gets that, and I knew not never to be taken for granted that somebody loves me, you know, that, that's a, my wife. I mean, it's incredible to me. We've been together for almost 18 years. And I mean, that that's a milestone, especially in being that we were only engaged literally for less than a year before we got married. And here we are almost 18 years later. Uh, we are almost as our marriage is almost as old enough, uh, old as Rachel was my wife when we got married. She was 19 when we got married and we'll be 19 years together next year. And, you know, I consider myself incredibly blessed, incredibly lucky. It's like knowing that I have somebody who I have a partner in life that I look forward to seeing every single day. That I look forward to, you know, just to, to finding new ways to love and appreciate her and to show that affection, to show that love to her. You know, that that I would miss her incredibly. Like, I don't know that I could ever recover if, if I ever, you know, God forbid, lost her and You know, I know that she would miss me, you know, if ever I were to, God forbid, leave this earth, you know. But, you know, I know God will take care of her. And and I pray and hope that she'll be able to, um, you know, hear my words in her heart and just to know that I did love her with all of my heart. That there will never, ever be a doubt that all of myself was given to want to be with and for and to her. And she's not much more than my wife. She's my best friend, and she's my 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 partner in this life. And we are literally create no new. No, in my mind, Adam and Eve couldn't have been closer than my wife and I are. I mean, just even though they are created from one another, that's just how I see it. I just see my wife as a part of me because we are one person, one flesh, spiritually, emotionally, in every single way possible. Uh, we are one person. And it's because of that love. It's because of that motivation that I don't ever want to take for granted the fact that I am married, that I do have a partner in my life, that I am also, like I said, very incredibly grateful and blessed and lucky, you know, that God has really blessed me. So what can I do to, you know, share my love with with her in a way? And honestly, the best thing to do is to be the best person I can be for her. You know, to, to, to even still try hard still every single day, wake up asking myself, what can I do to make her happier today than she was yesterday? You know, and, and it's not so much so that I can have a temporary smile or whatever, but it's just that I want to show her my love and affection and appreciation. And that's how God is, is given us given to us every day that we are living in here on this earth and even when we ultimately go to heaven will be a day that God desires to give us his best and because he loves us because he's his heart is for us and so i say all this to say when i was memorizing scriptures I wanted to memorize not just evangelism scriptures like I had growing up. I did put those towards my count, even though I already knew them. You know, I just, hey, I'm going to give myself as much help as possible. So I, you know, went ahead and added the scriptures that I'd already known to my list of scriptures I wanted to memorize. But also, I wanted scriptures that really helped me solidify the love of God. Because I believe that when you are worshiping a God when you're worshiping God when you are having a relationship with God it ought not be something that you see as a chore it ought to be something that you enjoy doing enjoy worshiping God you know when I read his Bible I want it to be as if I'm reading about my lover about somebody who who loves me and who I love and who cannot I can't wait to, to find more about out more about them just like when you're dating somebody right I mean the whole purpose of dating is is to eventually find someone to you want to spend the rest of your life with. I mean, that's what I grew up, believe with. I don't believe it's just a matter of, you know, hooking up or, you know, having a Rolodex of names and, you know, of Rolodex. <laughs> Listen to me, i definitely hold older myself. But having a contact list of a bunch of them, uh, names that you can go through, you know, when you get lonely some night, it's not about that. It's about having and finding somebody who I want to spend the rest of my life with and whom I can give all of myself to. And that's how God is for us. He literally gave all of himself to us in Jesus. And there's no greater love story than that. So looking at scriptures, I found that the, the, there's a book of the Bible that a lot of people don't talk about. And most preachers don't talk to or talk about. And that is the Song of Solomon. And, and, and so uh, it, it's right it's, it's right around in the middle of the Bible. It's near Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and then Song of Solomon. And... It's very poetic. Uh, it's colorful. Uh, when you know, as any child who opened up a Bible and started reading some of the words, I mean, it says it has words like breasts in it and thighs, and you know, it, it describes you know your body parts. And so, I mean, as a child, you know, you think, "Oh, this is this is weird. This is salacious. This is a little bit different." You know, did you know this is the Bible? But as a as a man, and as you're getting older, and as you really appreciate. You know, uh, uh, as an adult, rather that you start to really appreciate the, the not only the creation of God, uh, physically speaking, but moreover the creation of God of love between a man and a woman that He created, He designed, that He is the perfect example of. As we are the church, and He is the you know the groom. You know, He we are the bride. He is the groom. We are the ones whom He lo- has given His life for, and we ultimately give our life for Him. Uh, if you look at Song of Solomon through those eyes, it definitely makes a much different point of view than just some sort of immature reading, you know, without a, a base understanding of that. So I kind of want to read to you some from Song of Solomon today, um, Song of Solomon chapter two, uh, and I want to I want when, when this is going to be. Uh, the bride to say this is the church speaking. Okay, but if you think if you read Song of Solomon, you really kind of have to read it through. Yes, you can read it as a love story, you know, like a modern day love story or an ancient love story, I guess, between Solomon and his bride. But truly, and the bride talking and the you know about her lover, but its intention was to be an allegorical expression of how we are to view Jesus and God rather, and how He views us. And how our how we can relate with God on an intimate level beyond just the surface, beyond just you know having an identity of, yeah, "Yeah, I'm a Christian." I mean, we can really, if we really wanted to, we could really tap into an intimate relationship with God, and that's the whole point of worship, right? The whole point of of worship and praise and and, and Bible reading and praying is so that we can get to know God, and the whole point of the knowing God is to make him known so that other people can experience the same joy and relationship with God that we have. Man, why would we want to hold on to that for ourselves? It's something that can be shared and given to everybody. And they may not even recognize it as being from God, but they will at least recognize goodness. They will at least recognize kindness and love, and and, and we get that from understanding the intense love that God has for us. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. says, listen, and this is the bride talking, so this will be us as the church talking about our Heavenly Father. Listen, my lover, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke and said to me, "Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me." In other words, there is absolutely nothing that is going to prohibit God from coming to see us, and that's how it be ought to be for us, especially you know, in a relationship with when we're in a relationship with somebody. Uh, especially as a man, our desire and our hope ought to be that there will be literally nothing that we would not do to, to take care of those whom God uh, has given us, whether it be our children, be specifically our wives, you know, that we will literally go through every single obstacle necessary to show our love for them. Because that's how God gave us the example for, from him to us. He says, my lover spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. What he's saying is that the time of sin, the time of, of struggle, the time of of you doing it all on your own is over. We are now in a, com- a completed relationship. I have re- I have raced over the mountains. I have run to you. You have joined with me, and now that we can live together. Now, that's not to say that there's not going to be issues. In fact, we're talking about to talk about that. He goes, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. Catch us for the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. My lover is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Now, real quick, some of you probably got to go cross side. kind of probably lost you there. What that is basically saying is that as many times as there's going to be a spring, and they're going to be beautiful, and there's going to be times where things are going well, there will be little foxes that spoil the vine. That the, the, that's the allegorical thing here is that there is always going to be little distractions you know you, you may be able to overcome the, any big obstacles anything that's going to hinder you from having a relationship with God and you're all in or even a relationship with your spouse you can be all in with that but that's not to say that there will not be any more distractions or any more uh, things that are going to challenge you know your your relationship or challenge your love between them. And that's something we all can relate to. I mean, no one's going to have a perfect relationship, you know. Whether that relationship is a relationship with God, I mean, God knows I've disappointed Him. I'm sure plenty of times. Um, you know, there's even been times. Let's be real, that God's disappointed me. <laughs> you know, uh, that I'm like, why, why, why is this happening? Why is this going through? Why am I having to struggle? I mean, why am I having to fight so hard for this? You know, so so I get it. I mean, I've been there, too. You've been there. We've all had those moments where our relationship with God is, is challenged. And and not just even our relationship with God, but even with, with people in general. Um, you know, I've had best friends where... You know, for whatever reason, we get in an argument and then we just kind of don't talk for weeks on end or whatever. And that's just, it's just not right. You know, it's like, you know, praise God, I don't have any of those currently going on because I really, really do want to rather, I'd rather keep all of my options and my availability for my relationships to be open and, and, and uh, accessible and loving and kind and needed because God knows I need my friends. I need my, the people that God has put in my life to help me to, to, to relate with. I mean, this life is short and, you know, I'm, I'd like to think that I'm spending most of my time and more of my time connecting and, you know, uh, developing rather than distancing or um, being selfish or whatever. I mean, all those things don't do any profit at all. Uh, I mean, if you want to actually work hard, you know, and actually make a living, you can't just sit in your sofa all day. You can't just escape all day. You have to actually go out and uh, work hard and put your hand to the till, as they say, and, and really make an effort. Uh, but it all is all every single time. Like the old cliche, you know, work when you work hard, it all ends up being worth it in the end because you're giving yourself uh, the best opportunity to be successful. Uh, but you are doing it. You are putting your hand, you know, you are the one who is making the effort here. And this is the same thing with any kind of relationship where there's two different types of, 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 of positively affecting the relationship. The number one is things where you, whatever you can do, then you're actively pursuing to ensure that that relationship is beneficial. Again, this is, I'm, I'm trying to keep in tandem. When I say relationship, that can be any kind of relationship, but even specifically today, I'm talking about relationship with God and a relationship with a spouse or somebody whom you're really close to where you are actively pre- presenting presenting to that other person or to God um, attitudes and uh, options and, aggressiveness even sometimes, you know, not in a negative way, but where you just really are putting yourself out there to make sure that the relationship blossoms and does it's best for you and for that other person or also between you and God. And then there's also just sometimes just being quiet and there's sometimes just allowing uh, your relationship to blossom uh, naturally and to, you know, allow for the other person and the other part of the relationship to uh, just to be there for you as well. But these little foxes that Song of Solomon was talking about, uh, we all have them. We've all experienced them in some way. We may not have even understood or known what they were doing at the time. Uh, but anything that comes in that has bad intentions to go and spoil the very fabric and the roots of a relationship uh, need to be eliminated right off the bat. And so if there's any red flags, if there's anything that needs to be you know, controlled, uh, taken care of, talked about, communicated about, um, worked out together, you know, those are the, that's the opportunity to do so. And people who truly love each other will take the time to do that because they know that the other person is worth it, that they themselves are worth having a good relationship for. So what does this all have to do with having a relationship with God? And even more importantly, what does it have to do with making it known to other people? Well, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11, mostly chapter 12, but I'm going to reference Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is basically God's Hall of Fame. You have your, you know, pro football Hall of Fame and your baseball Hall of Fame and your rock and roll Hall of Fame. If there was a Hall of Fame in in, in Christianity, uh, that would be put in Hebrews chapter 11. And you can go there. In fact, I highly encourage you to, to do a character study on each uh person that it refers to. Moses is in there. Rahab's in there. David's in there. I mean, it it lists all sorts of people. Maybe you didn't even know. Enoch's in there. Uh, People whom in the scriptures, whenever I wanted to do a character study, like if I was ever doing a Bible study or teaching a Bible study, I would first go to Hebrews chapter 11 and just look and see who was on the God's Hall of Fame list, and then we would go to that portion of the Bible and read and study about that person. And so when you go to Hebrews chapter eleven, and you're going to see just basically examples of, of, of different types of faith, different types of experiences in the faith. Uh, the really most of them, if not all of them, in some way, are very relatable. They are, uh, even though these were written about and done two to five, six thousand years ago or more. Uh, mankind hasn't changed that much in, these, in the last several millennia. Uh, we are still, in a lot of ways, the exact same. Yeah, We may have different technology and different cultures now, uh, but the heart of man is still the same. So, you know, it is what it is. It is it's going to be uh, relatable, even though that's why we still read the Bible today, because it's always going to be something that we can still look at as an example of, uh, how we can go about our lives today and also specifically build our relationships and our relationship with God the Father. So with Hebrews 11 chapter Hebrews chapter 11 in mind, let's go ahead and go with Hebrews chapter 12 with verse 1. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, God's Hall of Fame, we're surrounded by them. These are the people whom we've, uh, you know, looked to to be examples that we can learn from of what to do and what not to do, Okay. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You can't tell me that sin doesn't easily entangle any of us. Every one of us have our own, what I call, buttons, our own issues that we can easily get entangled up again if we just allow ourselves. Uh, you know, some for some people, you know, who they've struggled with alcoholism, for example. I hate to bring up such a cliche, something of that. That is that a lot of people go to, but it's, it's something that we all can relate with either, either ourselves or we know somebody who is an alcoholic who has struggled with, uh, with abusive drinking. Um, you know, any, any alcoholic will tell you that, that it is very easy to fall right into that trap. You know, they're grateful even if they've been sober for 15, 20 years, they know that one bad decision can put them right back into uh, a place they don't want to be anymore. That they they have chosen to stay abstain from, so they keep their you know themselves away from temptations as much as possible, and you know we ought to be doing that same thing. You know, any everybody knows your particular entanglement, your your particular sin that you have to continue to struggle and fight against and fight uh, the temptation. And you know, sin. I think you have to first realize that you're not invincible. I'm not invincible. That we are going to find ourselves tempted and we have a choice to make, you know, every single, every single behavior that we do has a choice. We can't get to God's throne and he'd be like, why did you do this and that and this and that? And you can't be like, well, such and such made me. No, we all have a choice to make. Um, we all have, you know, responsible for our own decisions and our own consequences rather, you know? So uh, let us run with, verse verse 1, Hebrews 12, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Yeah, I'm a personal believer that this scripture and many like it. Just tell me that the race that we are running, the life that we are living, God already knows. See, there's no time in heaven. But there is no, you um, it's, it's, not, it's not the end of May in, in, in 2020 in heaven right now. Uh, there is no time he lives beyond time so therefore our lives on this earth have already um they they haven't been and they've already been in the same sense in other words they, they they just are they just they just they just are and so every single thing that we do every single decision that we make every single uh, you know, step that we take us sound, sound like a sting song, right? Every single place, every single thing that we do, uh, we are or has, has already been given, and already God already knows what we're going to do. Now, that's not to say that He's in control as much as it is. It's already our destiny. It's already who we are, Uh, but we can still (laughs) pick and choose it by our, it's not like something that we are forced to do. something that we've already uh, had planned that God already knew that we were going to do before we knew it, if that makes any sense. Uh, But that doesn't mean that we need to be any less perseverance with what has been given us. It doesn't mean that we need to be less mindful. In fact, we ought to be more mindful. We ought to be more careful. Mm. We ought to be um, more focused on goals and objectives in front of us so we can obtain and see those things so that we can be successful in every thing that we put our heart and our mind and our attitudes for. And this is how you do it. Verse number two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, listen to this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross See, God knew when he sent his son Jesus, and even Jesus knew, that even though there was about to be this brutal, horrible, painful, embarrassing, shameful death on a cross, that all of those things that he had to go through would be considered worth it because of the joy that he would be given knowing that his people, you and me, are free because of that sacrifice. And so when the cross was set before him, he, and he knew that I was going to go and endure this cross because uh, I knew that the, that the joy that would follow afterwards would be greater than the pain of the cross. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Right now, he is literally at the right hand of God, and it is our responsibility to recognize it as such that when we ourselves are faced with some sort of Opposition or painful experience that we can see at the end rather than the current. Here's what I mean by that. Look at verse 3. It says, Consider him, Jesus, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Okay, all those who, all those sinful men who were coming against him—the soldiers, the the the, the 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 public, anybody who was saying crucify him—I mean, we, we get mad when somebody says uh, something bad to us on Facebook about a political belief or religious belief, you know, where we you know we think we're oppressed because we have to wear masks. I mean, forgive me a break, if you want to talk about real oppression, you know, uh, talk about people who are. Being, you know, persecuted, literally, like physically, uh, them or them families just, you know, because they want to worship Jesus and worship God or worship a different God than, 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 you know, the the the, than the government says they should. I mean, we're far from being oppressed. And anybody who says that we're being oppressed in America right now, um, boy, I, you, you have no idea what oppression even means. Uh, that's a whole different podcast topic. Anyway consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Okay. When we're facing our sin and our temptation, I understand it's difficult and I get it that it is, it is difficult and it is hard. And sometimes it is painful. The consequences sometimes of our actions are absolutely traumatic and even consequences of life regardless of a of, of, of fault okay many times those are absolutely heartbreaking and terrible and 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 and, and you know just just overwhelming at times but that doesn't take away the fact that God is still God that Jesus is still Jesus and that he still went to the cross so for our salvation and that is who we can keep our eyes and our hearts in a direction to remember what it says is consider him. I think the King James even says fixes your eye fix your eyes. Actually, no, verse two, it says fix your eyes on Jesus. Right? Fix your eyes, focus on him, focus on Jesus, and the fact that he went to the cross knowing, even though it's going to be painful, even though it's going to be shameful and scornful, he says, You know what? The joy of knowing that my people will be set free will make this experience absolutely worth it. Verse five. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Okay, there's going to be times where God will discipline us as his sons and daughters. Um, and it's not for us even to say which, what is and what is not his discipline. Um, I think that we ought to see this life Rather than trying to figure out if it's from God, I'm not going to hear that all the time. You know, well, God wouldn't, why, why does God allow bad things happen to good people or whatever? Um, I, I think that's a waste of time. I think it's a waste of time to look at our life as what is God's fault versus what's our fault. What is, uh, what is Satan's fault versus what's God's fault? Uh, what is just happens in life or what is God? I, I think all of that is an absolute waste of time. I think it's a waste of time for us to sit here and just start critiquing because, you know, you, you're at the end of the day, we're not going to know. All we're going to know is our own opinion on the circumstance at hand. So I think a much better way is what the Scripture tells us here in verse 7. The absolute best way for us to... Endure the hardships of life is verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. Let me say that again. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Now I want you to really put your head around this for a moment. What if we considered every hardship that we go through in this life as discipline from God? Not, Not necessarily saying that we... You know, we can get really caught up on that we deserve it, that that we are being disciplined because we did something wrong. Why don't we rather see it as God is helping us to, well, well okay. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you, if you answer yourself, why do you discipline your son or daughter? Okay, why do you discipline your son or daughter? If they do something wrong, why do you discipline them? So that they can be a better person, right? So that they can make better decisions in life than you did. It's not a matter of, of of, of spanking them or hurting them because you know, you're you're making them in pain no it's a matter of building them right it's a matter of, of of directing them it's a matter of 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 helping them to see that life is better than the decisions that they're making that, that they can overcome obstacles that they can with perseverance and endurance become better people and 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 that's why we discipline it is not to be mean it's not to uh, to, to to I'll show you, you know, and you 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 do disobey me, I'll show you. No, it's about you and I as parents. We love them. We want the best for them. So therefore, sometimes they got to we got to get their attention in order for them to make better decisions and be better people. That's how it is here. I really want you to think about this very slowly, methodically, and and centrally. And don't make it about you. Make it about God wanting the best for you. Don't make it as as if God is. Pl- Punishing me for something I did or did not do. Think of it more rather as the hardships of life that we are going through. The little foxes that spoil the vine. The things that are making our life difficult. We, we Yeah, sure, we can blame ourselves. We can get mad at ourselves, but that doesn't do anything. But but decrease your self esteem and makes you go lower. Okay, you could blame the devil, but then the devil becomes the scapegoat that you blame everything on. Which those those people drive me crazy. The devil made me do it. No, the devil had nothing to do with it. The devil could care less. Or we could say even God blame God. God, you did this, but it's not about that either. It's about saying God. Because if you think about that, if you blame God for everything, good, bad, and ugly, which at the end of the day, we ought to be thanking God for everything. But if you think about selfishly, if you think about God doing these things against you selfishly and you, you, know, and you start to then resent God, that doesn't help any. But if you think it has hardships of life are disciplined to help me be a better person, that makes it a little bit different. I, I, because they are a fact of life. That's why the show is called this is life. And you've heard many podcasts and episodes already on this show with people who have had to endure some really difficult things in life. And then just because that the Bible tells us to endure them as discipline, but doesn't mean that we are necessarily deserving of it Uh, by no means. I don't think that it means that we're deserving of it, but what it does mean is it's a natural product, of fallen man is this rain, sometimes we have to endure. And I would I would rather the rain that I have to go through be profitable for me, make me a better person, or rather than pushing me down and make me hurt and make me worse than I was before. So if I have to endure hardships, then God forbid, let it be for a productive reason. You know, let it be. That's the other thing. Let me say that again. If I have to endure hardships, then let it be for a profitable reason. Let it be so that I can actually, uh, you know, learn from it and grow from it and be better and teach others how to be better for it. And, and, and we have that kind of mind, then there's really nothing on this earth that can happen to us that we can see as negative. We see every single thing that we go through in this life at the end of the day, as, uh, knowing that it will make us better as a, as a joy, just like Jesus said before him, joy before he endured the cross, knowing that at the end of the day, he is setting his people free. That's the kind of mindset that God is asking us to have. And that way we won't let the foxes spoil the vine. And we won't let anything come between us, between God, because we already know, according to scripture, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I want it to be that there's nothing that can separate me from loving God. So with all this said today, guys, just be encouraged. I know that life is difficult right now. We're kind of having to really endure some crazy moments and things and people. And I mean, Uh, I, every single time I, I like to think that the society is getting better. I, you know, I see another video of of just injustice or whatever, and it just, yeah, it can make me really sad. And I don't, I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of being sad. Uh, so therefore what am I going to do about it? Well, I'm going to take my personal scope, my personal life and the people whom I love. Um, and we're going to just endure, we're going to just endure life as discipline and we're going to ask God, God, what can I do to learn from the circumstance and how can I make it better and turn it around to make sure that it becomes profitable for all. And for anybody who wants to listen, let's let it go and let's just move on and keep on growing in the Lord. Until next time, yeah, you real quick before I say my goodbyes, head on over to thisislifepod.com. Uh email me, this is lifepod at gmail.com if you have any commentary on the show. Uh if you just want to say what's up, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from people who are listening. So also go on Twitter. I think I'm on This Is Life Pod on Twitter. Um all sorts of ways you guys can get a hold of the show. Uh if you haven't yet, head on over to iTunes and leave a review, man. I'd really appreciate it. a couple stars would be great. Uh, just anything that we can do to kind of promote the show, share it. Maybe I have a Facebook group. So if you want to go on to search this, this is life with Sean Johnson on Facebook, you can find it there. Uh, I'm just trying to get the word out for the show. So if this show has blessed you in any way, uh, you know, pass it on. I'd really, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we'll keep on working and moving and getting through this life together. No matter where you're going through today, consider it as a blessing from God because he will make you stronger when it comes all said and done. God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo.